everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. You're here with me, Samrin, today and with In, and we have a huge game to look forward to. With that in mind, In, how are you doing? How do you think Bayern Munich is doing right now? Give us your thoughts. Well, I'm doing amazingly well because my exams are finally over. I can finally be on one of these podcasts again. That being said, my thoughts on the game, not great, as you might imagine, mainly because I think we are legitimately going to get cooked. Like, this game is going to be so one-sided. Pep Guardiola is going to get his hair back. He is going to have a full head of hair after this game. It's not even going to be a competition. We're going to get completely dominated. It's not going to be funny. And I think that my previous bravado at facing Manchester City has completely evaporated after recent events, mainly involving the two Freiburg games. So, yeah. I unfortunately share your sentiments to a certain extent. I feel like our best shot at this is to do what Tuchel does best, which is counter Man City. That is the only way I see us getting anything out of this one. But without delving too much into our fears of how badly we're going to get cooked and humiliated and every other bad word that I can think of, how do you think Tuchel's going to line up? And then maybe we can think about how we might like to line up. But what are your thoughts then? Well, it's going to depend on which players are available, right? So mainly the question of who's going to play a striker, if anyone. I think that based on the reports that we've had, Chupa Moting may not be able to make it, right? And if he doesn't make it for the Man City game, that means Tuchel is going to have to think outside the box. What we saw against Freiburg on Saturday, that really, it's not going to cut it against Man City. I understand that Man City are not, like, they're not going to park the bus like Freiburg did, but Gnabry and Mane, I have no confidence in these two players to really do anything against a team of Man City's caliber at this stage of the season, given the form they're in. Maybe if this was a different season, maybe if they were their different selves, their usual selves, or maybe more like the their best version of them because it's been a long time since they've been their usual selves, maybe we would have a better chance without Chupamoting. But without a striker, it just does so many bad things to our overall quality of play that I really don't know how to pull, is going to really tackle this game. Like, it's, it's really hard to guess. I'm assuming it's going to be like a 4-2-3-1 and then take it from there. I think it's probably going to be a 4-2-3-1 as well. And, and I think attacking wise he's gonna go he has to kind of go with probably Gnabry up top because Sane's finishing has been abysmal although I do think he'll play Sane as well I shouldn't even say my only confidence is in the back four but right now the back four is holding up a bit better than our attack limited Freiburg in both games too the first Freiburg game Freiburg really had zero chances and scored two goals it that's pretty much how it went down the second game Freiburg probably had two very good chances. So I think it's really in our defense that the secret to this game lies. And I kind of hope he doesn't play Cancelo. I hope he goes Pava, Ubermecano, uh, Matthias de Ligt, and Davies. Would that be your back for in? Or would you have Cancelo? Or would you have... I know you would never have a back three. I'm with you on there. So maybe a back five. What are your thoughts? On no, that? not a back five. But it's kind of strange to me that Stanisic has literally not started a single game. 
since his masterclass against PSG. Like, neither Nagelsmann nor Tuchel have given him a single chance since then. And I feel like that's such a missed opportunity because right now he could really help us. Matsurawi, he just came back to fitness and he had an illness earlier last week. So he probably is not ready to play and he's certainly not ready to just suddenly come on and start a game against Man City after not playing for well over three or four months. So unfortunately, the Matsurawi option is not available to Tuchel. Pavard, I would prefer Pavard over Cancelo right now. I can't believe I'm saying that, given that it's me. But we saw Pavard do reasonably well as an attacking fullback against Borussia Dortmund. And his defensive awareness may be critical to limiting Man City on their attacking flanks because they do love to go out wide and spread the play and fullbacks are going to be critical. Alfonso Davies, I think, is a no-brainer. Same goes for Upamecano and Delic. They basically just choose themselves at this point. And I agree with you that the defense seems like the one thing at Bayern Munich that seems to be really working right now, which kind of worries me to say at this stage because you just know that by saying this, we are going to get absolutely cooked by Erling Haaland or something like that when the day rolls around. Like, there's going to be a mistake by Sommer or Delict, who has been probably, like, one of our best defenders this season or the best defender this season is going to make some incredible mistake that lets Haaland score or De Bruyne score. And it's just one of those things that I constantly see happening to Bayern Munich on the Champions League stage. And I feel like this is one of those games where we really seem poised for a moment of bad luck to really derail us. And then we don't really have the tools needed to recover from that, if that makes any sense. It does. It does. I also want to add on the Haaland point that when he was at Dortmund, the way that we solved that problem was using Hernandez and really to have Hernandez help out Romicano and almost sometimes double team on him. Hernandez being out, I don't really know how Delic is going to handle him. That's a big question. mark. So um, for the rest of the selections in, and yes, I'm also surprised just like you about Stanisic. I'm very, very disappointed to not see him receive any calls to the starting lineup since that PSG game where he was brilliant. And if Stanisic had had more game time, I would have actually picked him over Pava. But where, like, you know, station him in the back line in the PSG game, he actually came forward like once very late in the game. Do something along those. For the rest of the picks, I think it goes without saying that Goretzka and Kimmich will make up the double pivot and then the front five, um, the rather the front three in front of those two that's going to be hard to pick. So, well, you what do start you Muller, right? You have to start Muller. Yeah, you start Muller, and then I think Coman goes on one of the flanks. He has to. I really think he's like our best winger among the three that well, we have. There is a question of his fitness because uh, he boy. didn't play a single minute against Freiburg, right? So we don't know. And apparently, he did not train with the substitutes on Sunday. He just worked individually on inside the gym or something like that on Sunday. So there might be some questions about his fitness and whether or not he's good enough to start. But I don't think that is the biggest problem we have because I think that necessarily we don't have an issue with starting Coman and Sané on the wings and Thomas Muller in the middle. The striker position is really where it hurts. I really want to stick Gennabry up top. I know he hasn't been great, but Gennabry has the sharpness when he takes... You saw it, that shot that hit the inside of the post and came out against Freiburg. He is the best at finishing off our chances. And at the at this moment in time, if there is no Chupo, I really think we just stick him up front because 
I'm not going to stick Sané up front. Like, that's not going to happen. But if we go with Sané, Gnabry, Muller, and Coman, if Coman is fit, then what do we do with Musiala? I don't think Mane should start this game, but we'll get to that. I think Musiala has to take one of those spots because City's defenders, particularly John Stones, I feel like maybe you watch them more than I do, and I don't watch them all that much. It's pretty vulnerable to guys like Musiala. I did not really watch City all that much this season because, honestly, final year has been really hectic for me personally. But I did decide to catch their game against Southampton. And now, obviously, there's not much to gain from that because, you know, first versus last. Not exactly first, as you might know, in the Premier League this year. (laughs) But, I mean, Man City versus Southampton, not exactly a competitive game. But I did see a certain weakness that they did have, which was fast counters down their right-hand side. So, Bayern Munich's left. So, I feel that Alfonso Davies and either Kingsley Coman or Jamal Muziala, whoever starts on that left-hand side, will be absolutely critical to Bayern Munich's success, whether we end up actually scoring any goals on the day itself. And, in fact, I would say that that left-hand side has been woefully underutilized under Tuchel so far this, like, just three games so far, but it has been woefully underutilized. Against Freiburg in the Pokal, one of the big problems was that Cancelo was there instead of Davies. Now, it's good that Davies got rested, but I think that Cancelo being there, you could see the difference it makes when someone like Davies is not there to win the 1v1 duels and to push the opponent back on that side. And it just gave Freiburg a lot less defending to do when they had to get behind the ball. Compare that to the game on Saturday, you could see that the few chances that Bayern Munich did have, they all came down the left. Interestingly, the goal did not happen that way, but even then, the goal did kind of happen from the left if you look at the build-up to it. So I feel that our left-hand side has more potential for being a goal-scoring outlet for us than the right, and I think that wherever we put there, it's going to work out. It's not necessarily going to work out in our favor because of that. And I need to say this very specifically because people seem to think that just because I say something could be positive for us, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to guarantee us the win. I just think that the left-hand side is the least of our concerns coming into this game. It's more about the right and how are we going to really attack down that flank? If we have Sané there, how is he really going to... Is he really going to provide the threat that we need? Is he going to, you know... Is he going to score when the time comes? Sane will not score when the time comes. I will tell you that right now. Just based on the Freiburg game, um, I have been accused of going after Sane a bit too hard, but he's getting up there in age. And we've been talking about potential, potential, potential for how long now? And he remains, he remains a very exasperating player. Like the talent is there. The finishing is not... Ironically, it was there in the group stages of the Champions League, and who knows, it might come back in this game, especially because it is against his old side, who apparently he still has a lot of affections for, from what I understand. But I I also think the left is our best bet. And I think Tuchel, having rested Davies and having seen the difference in the Freiburg games, will start Davies in this. Um, what would you do about the striker problem? And like, I'm in I favor would, of sticking in Abri, but what about you? I would, unironically, Put Delict up there. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Okay. Based on what, like, if he gets maybe three good days of training at striker, I think he can do the job. I'm not even joking. Or at least he can be that big 
guy up top that lets Thomas Muller do his usual round ordering thing. You know, because one of the reasons that we need a striker up top, right? It's not necessarily because Chupo Moting scores, I don't know, 40 goals a season. It's not because of that. It beca- it's because it lets Muller do his thing. And when Muller can do his thing, it lets everyone else fall into their own positions and make Bayern Munich click as a whole team, right? So if you can get that kind of presence up top from, say, a guy like Dilek, why, why not? And also, it just feels like recently, only our defenders actually can't seem to score our attackers are just drawing blanks so maybe maybe it's time maybe it's time to just put a defender as striker and just see what he does i'm not i'm not really joking right now i think the striker situation at this club is really that bad i happen to agree with you but then we leave an 80 million hole in the back line or maybe we move pava in and play stanisic to the right back. yes yeah That's that is the return of stanisic <laughs> finally or oh, or we play cancelo and hope that cancelo and sane have some anti-city, I don't know, agenda that helps them score from there, that side. Because Cancelo, like, say what you will about his defending, he's an amazing attacker. And it's not like Man City are um, not going to leave any holes in defense. They are going to leave gaps to exploit, and we need people that can exploit them. So there is an argument to be made for starting Cancelo, especially since he's one of the few players on this team that can cross. That being said, I mean... Do we really want him defending on that flank? Do we really have that kind of confidence in Uba Meccano and Pavard, assuming they play that striker, which is unlikely, but not impossible. And, you know, Sommer, do we have that kind of confidence in them? Especially when you're talking about Erling Haaland and the opposing side? I don't think so. While Erling Haaland can absolutely destroy you by himself, I do worry more about guys like De Bruyne and Grealish. And uh, Grealish is having a very good season. So uh, I don't really know what what Bayern can really do right now to be successful against City, aside from use the left flank. But in if you had to pick a recipe for success for this game, obviously there's no guaranteed success, but which would give a Tuchel side, just keeping in mind what Tuchel did previously with his teams to beat City. What would you say is Bayern's best route to victory in this I game? I would say... You know, just keep it simple. Like you heard me in the Dortmund post game where I said keeping it simple was the key to success in that game. So maybe it's just the key in this game as well. Just start a 4-2-3-1 and whoever plays a striker, hopefully Tuchel gets to use Shubomoting up top. Like hopefully he's fit. If he's not fit, then maybe Matty Tell or if not him, then Serge Gnabry. I feel that actually we're at a point where Serge Gnabry may not be even our second choice for striker, maybe third choice at this point. And if he can use that, and if we get maybe Sané on the left and Coman on the right, which is not something that we saw in the Freiburg, two Freiburg games, but we did see it to great effect against Dortmund. And we saw what Sané can do with a little bit more space than what Freiburg allowed him. Then I think there is a shot at success. But what it hinges on is not really what the attack or the defense does. I think one thing that we really neglected to mention is the fact that the midfield is absolutely going to be crucial in this game. And it's going to, a lot of it is going to boil down to the two defensive midfielders, Kimmich and Rodri. And I don't know what, how Kimmich is really going to match up in that specific scenario, because I don't know enough about Rodri's game to really say what kind of weaknesses he has and what we can really exploit in that. With Kimmich, I did think about what Kimmich and Goretzka's specific roles in this match would be. 
And I feel like pushing them a little further back might work better. Normally Gretzka pushes forward as a box to box, but I would rather push Kimmich a little further back, almost as a back five, but not exactly as a back five. I saw that happen at times in PSG where he would just slot, go back and like slot in between the two defenders. But yeah, like you, it's difficult to tell how the midfield will hold up, but if Kimmich and Goretzka get overrun, that's it. Nothing, not literally nothing can help us there. But I also think another route past it might just be to bypass the midfield and do long balls. And I know like Bayern don't normally play like that. But when we do, we actually have a decent amount of success because we do have those pacey, the pacey fullbacks. Well, just Alfonso Davies, Pava, not so much. And we have the pacey wingers. So ironically, what Freiburg did not allow us, Man City will. They will give us space. The problem is, will Bayern have a little bit of possession to be able to exploit that space? Because if you're not getting the ball, no matter how much space there is, then it's pointless. And I don't know how much you remember about this game. It's a long time ago in, but in uh, 12 to 13, when Bayern played Barcelona in the Champions League semifinals, Heinkes went with a counterattacking approach. And believe me, we countered Barcelona all night long, and we won both games with like less than 40% possession overall. And well, that, to me, is what will, what might work here. Well, I agree. But the thing is that the problem in that plan is that against Barcelona back then, what, the reason that we succeeded using that plan was because of our midfield back then, which was Javi Martinez and Bastian Schweinsteiger. That midfield could stop anyone, okay? Whereas Kimmich and Goretzka, I think that it's a much more offensively oriented midfield. I would be much more confident with them going forward but when it comes to really protecting the back line i don't see it i just don't really see it i know that Kimmich can't defend i have seen him do it and i've seen him do it really well i can see a setup where he drops between the center backs and helps keep the team you know just well structured and keeps the passing channels closed down but the problem here is that man city are not like psg they are an elite passing team and they're also an elite pressing unit. So not only is our team going to be very hard pressed to stop them when they have possession, when we win back possession, it's going to be very difficult for us to progress the ball. And we're going to really have to do it with one or two touches. And aside from Kimmich and Muller, I don't really feel that anyone on our team is really capable of that kind of football. So it's really going to come down to, you know, just individual moments. I feel that one of the keys to the game is just going to be, you know, getting past the first 30 or so minutes. Because if we let City get a stranglehold on the game early, which we have allowed in several quarterfinal ties in recent years, which is mainly the cause of our downfall in many Champions League seasons. If we allow them to go 1-0 up within the first 30 minutes, I think the tie ends right there because we're on the back foot. If we can make it to, for example, halftime, with it being still nil-nil or even one nil in our favor, we are in control of the tie. And one more thing that we are just not really mentioning right now is the relative confidence of each team, right? Bayern Munich may be top of the table right now, but we just changed managers. We just got knocked out of the DFB Pokal last week, right? So the, the team is mentally hurting from that. We saw it against Freiburg. We saw how... The team was just a little bit slower than usual, just a little bit less confident, just a little bit less willing to go for some of those, you know, special 
moments that we have become used to on this team. And we saw a lot of what we saw in the Hinrunda back when Nagelsmann was going through all those draws. We saw a lack of clinical threat in front of goal. It's not like we didn't create against Freiburg. It's just that we didn't finish. So that is a symptom of a team that is low on confidence. And if we go into the Man City game with that same low mood and it's an away game and we're going to have to play against one of the best teams in the world, I can see it unraveling very fast. But if we keep it together, I think that as the time goes on in a tie and it says nil-nil, or if we can get a, an early goal, God forbid, our chances improve dramatically. I mean, this seems like absolute obvious Michael Owen tier analysis, but I think people really underestimate how that factors into this Bayern Munich team. We're not like Real Madrid. We're not going to mount a superb, amazing, super-duper comeback in the dying minutes of the second leg. We're just not going to do that. We need to get this right, and we need to get this right the first time. Yeah, just two games come to mind for me. Um, Man City versus Leipzig. Leipzig, once Leipzig conceded that first goal, and yes, we're not we're not Leipzig, but no. we had we did, we haven't done we didn't do that well against Leipzig the last time we played them. And the way that Man City absolutely walked all over them was very scary. So that's the that's the first game. The other game that comes to mind for me is the Gladbach hiding that we got last season in the Pokal. One conceded, two conceded, and things just very quickly opened up. So like you in I actually don't even think an early goal really benefits us because sometimes after early goals this season, while they've been crucial to victories, for whatever reason, we have looked a little bit flaky. It happened against Freiburg. Yes, I know Hofler's goal came from a very long, like long distance shot, but it's almost like we opened up a little more. On the other hand, in the last game, once Matthias Delict's shot goes in, I saw a more confident Bayern and a Bayern more willing to take chances. And that's where Bayern could have and should have killed off the game. It should have been 2-3-0 very, very quickly. It wasn't. And that's more down to the poor finishing of the forwards. So I just, I want to propose another idea to you, In, And I wonder what you think of this. Um, would it work better for us to take out one winger and put Cancelo in? Although, like, Cancelo's, like, crossing is excellent and Chupo might not be there. Would that be worth it to play Cancelo as a midfielder rather than in defense? really depends on which winger we are taking out and you know i think that it might actually backfire on us because our wingers are amazing defensively even the ones that can't score for their lives they are just they are very good at getting back and they have been clutch for us in several moments across the season like son he's defending i can't say anything bad about it compared to his attacking or his ability to hold possession or a lot of those other things if you compare that to someone like Joao Cancelo, who is supposed to be a fullback, it's kind of embarrassing for him that he is so poor defensively and trying to start for a team like Bayern Munich. But I can see the logic behind dropping a winger and maybe starting Cancelo, but only if we have a plan to utilize his crosses and the aerial threat that he can provide by providing deliveries into the box. If you don't have that, if you're just going to start Canabry, then there is no point, right? At that point, just try and keep the pace on the wings and try and keep, you know, just try and see if you can get somewhere with just normal interplay, right? It's probably not going to work. I, I'm i really despondent here because, look, when we were going to 
draw Man City, I felt really confident. Part of that was down to the fact that I had exams coming up and I my brain really wasn't in the right place at the time. But the second reason was that I really felt that Man City weren't anywhere near as strong as they have been in previous seasons and they had vulnerabilities that we could exploit. Now, with the fact that Chupo may be out and also with the fact that Nagelsmann is no longer here and we're not really sure what Tuchel is going to bring to the table. Yes, it's an X factor that maybe could work in our favor, but right now I'm leaning towards it not working in our favor based on just what we've seen in the last three games total in the Tuchel era. And just because of that, I'm just really upset because this would mean, like if we go up to Man City, this will mean a complete defeat by the Bundesliga to the Premier League and... I don't think the Bundesliga's reputation can take any more hits, honestly. Speaking of the Bundesliga's reputation, we recently acquired a player from the Premier League, Mr. Sadio Mane, who had another poor game against Freiburg. And that's why I didn't even really think about him as a winger. We have mentioned him. Yeah. It's, what can we say about Sadio Mane that hasn't been said already, right? Yeah. Ever since he came back from injury, he he started it's weird he started the season like a house on fire like he he fit right in with the team and it looked like and we spoke about this it felt like he already knew how this team worked and he was a part of it yes the offsides were an issue then too but then the injury happens and he comes back and maybe it's because he hasn't been automatically starting and apparently i think we read a report where he was angry with Nagelsmann about it too when Nagelsmann was still around I don't know whether it's a combination of his dis- him being despondent because he has not been starting, but he hasn't done much to warrant a start. Uh, the rest of our wingers have been pretty bad, too. I'm not going to say they have been brilliant, but they've been better than Mane. So I don't know. And what would you do with Mane in this game? The problem with Mane is that he doesn't have a role in the squad right now. The reason that he was doing so well at the beginning of the season is because we were playing a 4 triple 2 and he was part of the front two and making an incredible partnership with Serge Gnabry up top, right? But then Nagelsmann himself identified that setup as being inferior to just a regular 4-2-3-1 with a regular striker like Chupo Moting. And as soon as Chupo started getting those goals and started getting regular starts, that's when Mane's problems began, right? Like you can, if you plot Mane's contribution this season against Chupo, as soon as Chupo's graph starts going up, Mane scores down, and it just keeps going that way. Now that Chupo is injured, maybe this could be the opportunity that Mane has been waiting for. But he got that opportunity against Freiburg, and he was extremely, extremely disappointing. Not to say that he did not do anything. I think that Freiburg game was actually a slightly better game from him. He did have a few chances. He did get a good cross or two from the left wing, but that's not enough, right? And it's not like he's some 34, 35-year-old super ancient player that is coming to the end of his career. He's just 30 years old. At his age, remember how good Robin and Ribery were? And I remember that when Salah and Mane were at their peak, they were being compared to Robin and Ribery. So I think that's a lot of what Bayern Munich fans were at least expecting. Maybe something akin to a 32, 33-year-old Iron Robin from Sadio Mane this season. And not getting that from this player who we had such high hopes for has really soured the mood in the fan base to an extent that I have never seen before for any other player, especially one that stats-wise, he has a large number of goals in the 60s season. Like if a neutral, someone who doesn't watch by Munich just goes to transfer market or who scored and checks his stats, they don't look too bad. 
I agree with a lot of what you said, which leads me to the question of why Sadimane was bought in the first place. Was it sort of a power move like, hey, we can get a player from Liverpool, like he will come to Bayern, no questions asked. Um, Hassan Salihamidzic just wanting a big name like Mane in the squad. Or was it because there was a gap in the squad we needed to fill? Now, if if we say he was bought to replace Robert Lewandowski, that argument makes no sense to me. I think that one of the things about the Sadio Mane transfer is that, yes, part of it was a marquee signing by Brazil to show that Bayern Munich can definitely get a big star player from the Premier League. But part of it was also down to the fact that I genuinely think Nagelsmann saw Mane and decided, yes, this is the player that I want and I will be able to integrate, you know? And we've seen that a lot with Nagelsmann, where he asks for players and doesn't seem to be able to get them into the squad. Remember, Zabitzer was his request. And then what happened to him in his first season? Joao Cancelo, allegedly, was Nagelsmann's dream player. How much participation did Joao Cancelo have at Bayern Munich after his first few games where he did start really well again, like Sadio Mane? So I think this is part of where, you know, one of the reasons that Nagelsmann inevitably got axed is because he kept asking for these really expensive, really important players from other teams, ready-made players, really, that most coaches would not be provided with and is really against Bayern Munich's style in terms of acquiring. Then when he got them, he didn't really seem to know what to do with them. Sadio Mane seems to be another victim of that, another victim of Julian Nagelsmann's inability to decide what he wanted Bayern Munich to be and what kind of squad he really wanted this to look like. That's the reason why the board decided, okay, we are going to let Lewandowski go after, you know, fleecing Barcelona for every penny they could master and then get Sadio Mane. And, well, that was back when, you know, the board was still 110% behind Nagelsmann. Now that we are in April and we have sacked Nagelsmann, this just looks absolutely baffling. But if you followed the events all the way to this point, it does, like, the pieces start to fall into place and you realize that this is just a case where the close cooperation between board and coach just kind of went wrong. If over the years, Bayern hasn't really given license to the coach to purchase players. Pep got Diago Alcantara, and I believe Xabi Alonso was also a Pep pick, but not much beyond that. And to be fair, both of those worked out. Tiago was with us, I think, for around uh, six seasons. Nagelsmann's requests did not work out, and Mane was expensive. At least by Bayern standards, he was. So now, I guess, what do we do with Mane? And is that going to be an important question for Tuchel to answer? Do you think there is a place for him in this squad? And if so, where is that place? Well, he needs to find something to contribute to this team, right? Right now, he doesn't have any pace. He's always offside. Somehow, he seems to be lacking physicality despite transferring to the Bundesliga from the Premier League. It just goes to show that maybe the Premier League's physicality is a little bit overrated. You know, I'm, I don't want to say that right before we face a Premier League team and then get played off the park, but, you know, just just, just, just saying. And um, also, the simple fact is that Sadio Mane is right now the highest paid player at Bayern Munich. He's making an insane amount of money, and he's not even a guaranteed starter. In fact, I would say that at certain positions, he's maybe fourth or fifth choice. So what does that really mean for the board, that 
greenlit his transfer. Now that the manager who really wanted him is gone, what does this mean? I think it means that it just it's just one of those things where it's kind of a nail in the coffin for this board. It's one of those things where it doesn't really seem like a red flag when it was happening. But now that we see all the pieces put together, we can see that the board is just showed its inexperience here. They banked on the manager. They believed in him and they thought that this player would really get them what they needed. But in the end, that kind of trust, it just came back to bite us. I think that Mane, we're just going to have to bite the bullet and see if he can get back into form. There are going to be games in the Bundesliga where he can still contribute and where we can still essentially afford to have him play and afford to carry him. If he plays on the left, it's not really that bad because he'll have Alfonso Davies there to support him. And we can technically afford to give him some games to get back into form. But we can't afford at this stage of the season, this season, to give him a run of games, right? So I think that this season, we're just going to have to eat the loss and see if he can't maybe rediscover some semblance of form next season. Or if something happens, maybe Tuchel gets sacked and we hire Jurgen Klopp who magically discovers Sadio Mane's form again or some, something like that. Anything can happen at Bayern Munich, right? So something like that happens and then, you know, he suddenly becomes the Sadio Mane of old. The problem is that he is past 30 and his physical abilities have declined so much in just the time that he's been at Bayern Munich that it's very unlikely that it's going to happen. He generally looks older than the 34-year-old Robert Lewandowski that we let go last season, which is crazy. Oh, no, I agree with you. I hear that Messi might come back to Barcelona and we know that Lewandowski is not the biggest fan of Messi. And I was wondering if we could somehow manufacture Emane to Barcelona and Lewandowski comes back to us, deal. Not the best idea and not the best thing to do to Chupo, but man, I'd like to have Lewandowski back. And uh, whoever Kof Kof Nagelsmann thought of letting him go was not thinking straight. I mean, so, I think that yeah. it wasn't just Nagelsmann who thought of letting Lewandowski go. It was, in the end, wasn't it Oliver Kahn's decision? It was, but really, um, Nagelsmann and Lewandowski never really saw eye to eye. From Nagelsmann what, and a lot of players didn't see eye to eye, did they? <laughs> Thomas Muller certainly did not, but he was way more diplomatic about it. Than I mean, Thomas Muller is at this point, he's secure in the knowledge that he can outlast any Bayern Munich coach, <laughs> right? That essentially all Bayern Munich coaches are just warming the seat until he becomes Bayern Munich coach, at which point he can proceed to rip his hair out and get sacked within <laughs> six months, you know. That would be but, hilarious. Yes. Well, why did Thomas Muller get sacked? Because he did not have Thomas Muller oh, on the starting man. 11. He had Thomas Muller on the bench. What? What does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. But the thing is that... Like, Taste of his own medicine. Yes. Why aren't you starting Thomas Muller? Ask people online to Thomas Muller, who is now 45 years old and cannot run anymore. Yeah. But, like, it is... You know, it's kind of crazy just thinking about this. The Sadio Mane thing is not even one of the more problematic issues of Bayern Munich in terms of the roster construction. Because how many players do we have in the 70 to 20 million range who are inconsistent at best? All our wingers earn more than 17 million a year. How many of them perform week in, week out? Can you explain to me? I'm with you there. And Ribery and Robin were the models of consistency. And now we have packs we have to rotate because we don't know who's on form. I'm probably going to leave Coman out of this because... I'm not leading... because Coman, yeah. come on. Like, how I know, often I know. does Coman have those games? That's true, but I would say Less often that ever than the since... Others. 
Yes, or- less often than the others. And ever since that Champions League final, less than less often. So I'm probably, it's hard maybe because he scored a Champions League winner for us and then another vital goal against PSG this season. I'm willing to cut him some slack. But everybody else, they can either be like world-class on their day or just fall off a cliff. And you never know which one you're going to get. Sometimes you get Gnabry and he is just brilliant. Other days you get Gnabry and you're like, um, where is Gnabry? Like, no sense. Exactly. And the same thing goes for Sané, right? Yeah. Huge transfer fee. And then we expected so much of him. We keep expecting so much of him every single game. This fan base just does not give up hope on these players. We really do. We really do get behind these players sometimes, but it's just so disappointing to see them week after week, sometimes so good, but most of the time really terrible. And it kind of puts into perspective how good Robin and Ribery were, especially since like they were injured, what, I'll say charitably 60% of the time. But when they played, they did not need like weeks and weeks of games to get back into form. They were back and they were on it right away, right? That's something it that these players so just, insane. yeah, they just, they were just so good. And that's just something that this group of wingers really lacks. In comparison to that, we have like a really solid team in other areas. Like our defense, I feel that is it is the most solid group of defenders we have had at Bayern Munich in my entire time watching this club, honestly, which is starting from 2012, okay? And I don't think I'm exaggerating. I think that it is legitimately the best group overall because we had better individual defenders like Boateng from 2014 to 2016 or Alaba back when he was the best left back in the world. Philip Lama, obviously the best right back at this club ever. But if you think about the range of defenders we have, the depth, the quality, and no other version of Bayern Munich holds a candle to this current version. And I think that's kind of reflected in the relative performances of defense and attack this season. Even if you think about how our attack is scoring lots of goals in a historic sense and our defense is kind of leaky on that front, just individual performances wise, it's it's night and day. Agreed. I've heard this argument by um, commentators on big networks that the reason that Nagelsmann was fired was because Bayern was just conceding too many goals. But really, in clutch moments, the defense has showed up. Even in the Pokal, like I was saying, we conceded that late penalty. But aside from that, we didn't really give anything to Freiburg. Maybe like yep. one chance. Like, it's not it's not the defense's fault that we lost that game with like 9,000% possession. That falls squarely on the attack. So we have shipped a lot of goals. But in the big moments, like those ties against PSG, Mbappe did not score over 180 minutes against our defense. So... To me, it, the clutch moments are what makes the difference. If the attack had a bad game, let's say in the in the Pokal like they did, and then Sané, a moment of individual brilliance by Sané, like Robin would have done, you know, settles the game. Okay, you had a bad game, but you came up big in the clutch moment. The offense hasn't done that. So that, the question marks in this offense, man, like, and I particularly single out Sané again and again, because Gnabry did not come with the expectations on the transfer fee that Sané did, nor with the salary demand. And Gnabry Neither did, did contribute very heavily to the treble. Yeah, yeah. And Coman came on loan, and then we signed this guy permanently. And he's been at Bayern for a very long time and kind of quietly does his thing, not always on form, but there's not so much noise around Coman. So to me, I single out Sané because he came with big expectations and he came with the big transfer fee. And the return on that 
has not been great. He was supposed to be the next coming of Robin and not everyone is. And we get that. But you can be good enough like Mario Mandzukic was in his two seasons as striker at Bayern. Good enough. You can be good enough like Chupo has been this season. You don't have to be brilliant all the time. Some consistency would help. And that's probably my biggest issue with Sané. But speaking of consistency with Chupo out, I just, I, you know, I think the playing time for Chupo has caught up to him. And now I wonder what Bayern will do with the striker issue, not just this season. Maybe Tell will start against City. We don't know. But moving forward, because Chupo has been very good, but Chupo is not like 29 or 25. Well, what do you he's thinking? going to have to be because he just gave him a contract <laughs> extension and put him on put him on five million a year. So I know um, that's true. Um, so he's gonna he's gonna have to get over his back problems. He can't he can't down tools <laughs> literally three weeks after his contract extension. That would be really bad. But yeah, like I think we're just gonna have to dip our toes into the transfer market. If Nagelsmann was still here, and if we hadn't fired him, even if we hadn't fired him, let's say at the end of the season, if we had started next season with him, then I would think that Bayern Munich would not have gone after a striker because Nakosman seems just, you know, pathologically disinclined to use strikers. Whereas with Thomas Tuchel in charge, or at least any other coach in charge, I think that the board is going to go back to the formula that works. And that means buying a new striker. Who that is going to be, I don't know. The Harry Kane rumors keep swirling. And I just don't, I don't know. Is another 30-plus Premier League attacker really the guy we want to bring in at this stage? And on the other hand, there are other rumors, such as Rantel Kolomuani, who has been good at Frankfurt. But, you know, there is a certain feeling that Frankfurt attackers, they can be a little bit hit or miss once they leave that Frankfurt system. Then there is my personal wild card, which is Dusan Vlajovic. Looking at how Matthias Delict has performed since leaving that horrendous Juventus system, I feel that Vlaovic could really do the job for us. The problem is that I don't think he's going to be available at a price that will be commensurate to the performances I expect from him at Bayern Munich. I think that Juventus will ask for at least 60, probably closer to 80 million. And given our good relationship with them, we could probably meet in the middle somewhere at 75, 65 million or something like that, which is way too much for a player of Vlaovic's quality. If we were talking 40 million, I would say yes. But I think that we have put ourselves in a position where we cannot help but overpay for some striker simply because of how important it is to our overall setup, which again goes back to our eternal reliance on Thomas Muller and a lot of deep-seated structural keystones that buy meaning that have been completely rooted in this club ever since Louis van Gaal took over well over a decade ago at this point. It's just really predictable. I think the thing is that the board really wanted a generation change and announcement, didn't they? Like, they really wanted us to transition away from the classic 4-2-3-1, start playing new styles of football, start emphasizing different types of players. And that's why they changed the transfer strategy. They let Lewandowski go and they did all those things. But now by firing Nagelsmann, all of that is now out the window, and I think we're just going to go back to what we used to do. Problem is, we did it halfway through a transition, so it's going to be harder to transition back, you know. I think the board and its push for a new generation just didn't see that the current generation is not so bad. It's not really the time. Like, I've been hearing these, this term generational shift at Bayern for so long that I'm like, um, 
we don't really need a generational shift as such. We need gradual shifts like we had from Ribery and Robert slowly to Coman and an over-reliance almost on Robert Lewandowski. That's what we kind of need. In terms of strikers, I see, I can see what you're saying about Vlahovic, but I really think Colombani is the guy. And yes, strikers from Frankfurt are hit and miss, but just judging by how Colombani plays, he's a physical guy. He has very good link, link-ups with um, Kamada and sometimes with Mario Goethe. He can, he appears to me as close to a true number nine as we can get on a good price because Harry Kane is 30, it's over 30, I think. And we have to pay an arm and leg to get him. No, yeah. wait, Harry Kane is 29 turning 30, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not in favor of, we don't really want to pay a hundred million to Tottenham for that. And I don't think the discount will be very high for mm-hmm. the fact that we are not a Premier League club. And the thing is that Kolomuani, and another thing that is in favor of Kolomuani is that I feel like his play style really resembles Erling Haaland in yes. a way. He has that physicality and that kind of tenacity and that ability to bully defenders. And we, we remember that game against Frankfurt where he and Upamecano had an absolute duel at the back. And he got the better of him that one time and got a goal. But Upamecano otherwise generally managed to keep him under control. But Upamecano... This season, getting bullied like that, very rare. Right. This might go back to, you know, what we might expect against Pep Guardiola and Erling Haaland in the upcoming game. But, like, it just it goes to show good things. It says good things about Kolomuani overall, that he can perform at this level against a team like Bayern Munich. Right. The other thing I would like to add about Kolomuani is Frankfurt has had a ridiculously up and down season. To the point where we were looking at them as titles challengers and now they're sitting behind Barley because I'm pretty sure in like seventh. So, and they're still in the Pokal, but the horrible against Napoli in the Champions League. The one consistency has been Kolomwani. So also I feel like bringing in Kolomwani is doing the safe thing because we signed Chupo for another season. We gave him a raise. Now you bring in Harry Kane, you get you an immediately unhappy Chupo. Like, I'm about to lose my starting spot. You bring in Kolomwani, and you can slowly, slowly build him into the team, split game time, and then the following season, he can become the number one, rather than I think becoming the one number one. one of the right reasons way. that mm-hmm. the board is reluctant to do that is because we have Matty Tell on the squad, and the board really believes in them, I think. At least Brazo does. And I can see why. He really has. He seems to have it, you know? he He's only 17, but I've watching him play, he seems to have a little bit of that spark in him. And if you bring Kolomoani in right now, you're giving up on Maddie Tell because Kolomoani is extremely young and he will eat up all of Tell's minutes. He and Chupa will. So what happens next, right? So we don't want that investment either to go to waste. So we are basically placed in a position where some of the investments made in previous seasons are going to have to be completely written off for by Munich to move forward. And that's just on the board. This is not one of those criticisms of necessarily the Nagelsmann sacking. This is just, you know, a criticism of what direction we've been taking overall. And it's one of those underrated criticisms that I don't really see mentioned often when people are talking about buying Munich's transfer strategy. Definitely agreed. I think the board went from like zero to a hundred when they rather hundred to a zero when they sacked Nagelsmann because they kept backing him a hundred hundred and ten percent till he went on that ski trip and that was it. Yep. So they literally backed everything, everything he wanted, every decision he made 
and then then he went skiing yeah <laughs> he went skiing can, can and someone, that was the end of that can someone help pep guardiola go skiing or something i don't <laughs> i don't know it's it's just do we have Listen, anything good to no. say about the man city game i mean do we have any Ugh, positive man. like I, i literally just saw that we are going to have a spanish referee for this yeah. game like this mm-hmm. doesn't get any worse yeah yeah does it get any worse at can it get any worse I don't know. And well, I want to I, I mean, it can get worse. Some... It can get worse. <laughs> Obviously, it can get worse. Why am I asking that? Of course, it can get worse. We can wake up tomorrow and hear that someone or the other has, you know, is going to be out for the rest of the season with some ACL injury or whatever. Yeah. Or something hold like that. Hold the muscle, But something. Hold the muscle and eat the wrong thing or whatever. <laughs> On the other hand, maybe Pep does a Pep and decides to bench Haaland and De Bruyne and, you know, does his usual thing and he just tilts completely against Tuchel for no apparent reason that's that's my hope you know Pep pulls a Pep to be fair he'll he could bench both Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne and we could still lose we could still lose <laughs> that's that's the entire problem what happened to us man, man I I wish I wish we were still the flick bind the flick bind would take this man city for a ride and a half we would score seven goals we would concede five goals but we would score seven goals it is crazy and, to me and i had you know i thought that second psg game was a real turning point turning and i thought point, from yes. here on we're going to move forward with nagelsman and, and he has now figured it's it out yeah then he did Literally. not figure it out he yeah. went two steps back then he got <laughs> fired which is another weird move by the board like why fire him then i get why they fired him like i do yeah. get why but why then and then they hired Tuchel and now we don't know anything because our entire UCL record this season was under Nagelsmann we don't know what to expect we don't know what yeah. to see and all we can do is be negative because that's who we are as people right yes unfortunately in but i do think we should give people some we should give our listeners some kind of hope in so you know what i hope that <laughs> i don't know i hope that i fall asleep before the match begins so i don't have to watch my team concede six and then the bundesliga get slandered to Helen back. I hope the Bayern fans bring in some real good banners into the into the Etihad about ticket prices and just give us a laugh because after that it's not going to be much of a laugh. It's not it's not going to be much of a laugh. Yeah. 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 Okay, I guess we wrap it up there because we have this is the most depressing podcast <laughs> we have ever recorded. So if you want to send Samrin and I some antidepressants please um <laughs> feel free. Please please comment on our podcast, maybe say something funny and Well, that's about all we have to say today. So, thank mm-hmm. you for listening. This was Samrin and I need no name. We were talking about our upcoming game against Manchester City as well as the striker problem, the Sadio Mane problem, the Matias Delix solution and everything else. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, pretty much any podcasting platform you can think of. You can find us on Twitter at @bavarianfbworks and remember to check out our blog. We are going to have full coverage for the Man City match. in detail as much as you can expect and not all of it is going to be this negative because we do actually have some very positive people in this blog they just don't record podcast on a sunday yeah <laughs> it's so not the two of us yeah that not the two of us yeah so thank you for listening and we are going to bid you a good night good night